Today on Abounding Grace, going to God for the comfort we really need. You've got to be careful when you're weary not to just yield to your appetites. The source of your comfort is God, not food. The source of your comfort is God, not alcohol. The source of your comfort is God, not a joint. The source of your comfort is God and not a relationship. The source of your, and you can see where anything can take the place of God. You've got to watch your appetites and what you're hungry for. The Bible says this, Jesus did, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what? Righteousness. Because they'll be filled. This is amazing grace. This is Are you worn out and tired today? I think that would describe a great number of people. God has a word for you at such times. You can make it, but there are some things to watch out for. And we'll discuss that in the minutes ahead of us on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is in Hebrews chapter 12. Here he is with part two of his message, When You're Weary, Be Careful. Notice verse 14 now. Pursue peace with all men and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. The context is weariness, weakness, hanging hands, feeble knees, where it's just one thing after another. That's the context. And he says, when you're weary, as you're running this race, pursue peace and holiness. Now, whenever you see action words, verbs, it's good to go back and look at the verbs. Verse 12, strengthen. Verse 13, make straight. Verse 14, pursue. Look at verse 15, looking diligently. Those are all actions to take when you're weary. It's a command for the race of life. Whether you're strong or weak, pursue peace. The idea of this word, if you like to write in your Bibles, you can circle it and you can write next to it, press hard. Go after, to go take something. You know, if I was wanting to teach a uh, Bible study, a topical Bible study on the pursuit of God, there's quite a few verses, because this word is used in different contexts throughout the scriptures. There's quite a few different verses. Let me give them to you if you're taking notes, because this is such a great word to study on your own. Romans chapter 14, verse 19. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace. 1 Corinthians 14.1, pursue love, desire spiritual gifts. Philippians chapter 3 verse 12, not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on 
that I might lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 15. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. 2 Timothy 2.22. Flee youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, with all those who call upon the Lord out of a pure heart. See, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And if you choose not to pursue peace and holiness, you'll never see God. You'll never experience Him in His purity. Because God is one who has made peace with you. Holiness setting you apart for His purposes. No one sees the Lord without this pursuit. It's that important. Anything other than the grace of God pursuing His peace and holiness will slow you down. It'll be one of those weights that you have to lay aside or the sin that so easily ensnares us. And then he says in verse 15, looking diligently. Now remember, we've already learned that we're to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So now we have under the context of looking unto Jesus, we now have to look diligently in our own life. And that's always the right order, church. Always the right order. It always begins with loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and then loving your neighbor with your, as yourself. The, the right order is God is the initiator, and we are the responders. We respond to his love. So this is the order. He says, you look unto Jesus in this race. Keep your eyes firmly fixed on him, but you also got to watch out for your life. You got to pay attention to your life. Your cooperation in this race of life is essential. I use the word cooperation, but the Bible word is more strong. Your obedience in this race of life is essential. It's, it's a non-negotiable. And one of the things that you need to look out for, actually there's three, if you want to jot them down, there's three warnings here, three things to watch out when you're weary, when you're tired, when you're running the race, when it's hard, when you need healing, when you're in a place of great difficulty, great tiredness, great weariness. Number one, be careful that you don't fall short of God's grace. Did you see that? Looking diligently lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. This is important. This is super important because when a person gets tired, when a Christian gets tired, when a Christian gets weary, when you get hurt, when you're chastened by the Lord, there's always a temptation to respond with more works, more Christian activity. This is especially true for those of you that have a more sensitive conscience, that, that maybe you lean more toward condemnation or guilt, where you kind of feel like it's always your fault, and if you just did better, and if you just worked harder, then you wouldn't experience so much pain. That's a natural response. It's not a good response, but it's natural. Some of you respond more in that area. So what do you do? Well, under the weight of guilt, you'd respond by saying, well, you know what? I'm going to do more for the Lord. And, and maybe it's just something simple, like, you know what? I haven't been really reading my Bible all that much. I maybe read my devos in the morning in 15 minutes. So that's why everything bad is happening to me. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read the Bible for 10 hours every day. And you just lay this heavy trip on yourself. And so you wake up the next morning and you're like, oh, reading, 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 reading. You, you make it 10 minutes. And you're like, oh, I'm tired. I'm tired. I don't think I can make it 10 hours. But you make it 10 hours. And then you do a second day. Third day you don't even make it 10 minutes because you had an emergency and you had to get to work and you run over here and you go, I'll get to it later, I'll get to it later. And you try to compensate in your tiredness thinking like, if I was just a better Christian, 
then I wouldn't be experiencing all these things. I want to suggest to you that it could exactly be the opposite, that it's because you're a good Christian that you're facing everything that you're facing. Oh, there's nothing wrong with reading the Bible more. Go for it. Enjoy it. But don't lay a trip on yourself of works because God, he has finished the work of salvation in your life on the cross of Jesus Christ. Remember what he said in his final words. Jesus has literally been beaten close to death. He endured that, was taken up and hung, nailed to a vicious, in a vicious way, to a really ugly wooden instrument of death, a cross. And as he's hanging there, gasping in his last breaths, he's able to say a few things, seven sayings in particular. One of them was, it is finished. So when you're tired, be careful that you don't try to compensate by leaving the grace of God. No one falls short of God's salvation. This isn't a sense of you, oh, be careful you don't lose your salvation. No, not at all. It's that you no longer walk in the grace of God, appreciating Him and loving Him. You have a love relationship with God, not a works relationship. It's a love relationship. I know for some online, in that great strong exhortation I just shared that people are watching online, some people might be hypersensitive and they're, they're like all guilt-ridden. And it's like, I need to get back to church. No, you just need to pray about it. Just pray and set, a, set the course where the Holy Spirit can lead you back. You might be in a high risk and it's safer for you. There's quite a few people that are super high risk and it's safer for you. You don't have to be guilty, guilted over that or take condemnation over that. There are good reasons However, it is important for us that we stay in the grace of God. And so that when you see other people falling in the grace of God, you rush over to help them. It is a place of weakness when you live life legalistically. I know it might seem easier because you have been told what to do and you just do it. But it's not easier. It's easier to pray and let the Holy Spirit lead you so that you know wherever he wants you, that's where he's going to tell you to go. And whatever he wants you to do, that's what he's going to lead you to do. And that when you read your Bible, it's not because you feel guilty. It's because you feel you're in love with God and you want to learn about it. You're not, you're not learning about, you're not reading the Bible because God's mad at you. You're reading the Bible because he loves you. And on every page, is like, this is the behavior. This is the life I want. You're running a race. I want you to run it to finish. And this is how you do it. Number one, be careful that you don't fall short of the grace of God. Number two, he says, looking diligently, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this, many become defiled. Bitterness is a great temptation when you're weary, especially when you're weary from trial after trial after difficulty. People have hurt you. Situations have hurt you. A root of bitterness here literally refers to a wicked person whose life and behavior is now offensive to God and obnoxious to men. And you become bitter toward God, you become bitter toward other people, and it just ruins you and everything around you. He says, be careful that it just doesn't spring up doesn't spring, like that your heart is not fertile ground for bitterness to spring up. How does your heart become fertile ground? Through unforgiveness. Because this is true. You might want to jot it down so you could see it in your life and others. This is true. Hurting people hurt people. Hurting people hurt people. And we've all been hurt 
We've all experienced great pain. We've all been wronged. We've all been offended. And how we respond to that is very important. Bitterness has a way of springing up. But we have a way of creating the path for it through our unforgiveness. It's a lot like those dumb aspens we planted on the side of our house. I mean, I, I moved to Colorado, and I love those trees, and I wanted some in my backyard. The first backyard I ever had, and I'm going to have the aspens. And for a while, they were nice and pretty and beautiful until the weeds kept popping up everywhere. I wanted aspens in this area. I didn't want all of them all over the back. And we don't even have a really big backyard, but it was so bad. They were springing up all over the place. It was so bad that one of the chores for the kids was to go out and cut them all off and put poison on the little stem. They'd have to go every single one. You couldn't just mow them over because then they'd come back all over. You had to cut them off, put little poison, and they would take them hours to do that. I would look at them through the window just like a dad should making sure they get it all done. So we finally said, enough is enough, because it started springing up in our neighbor's yard, and, and they're like, oh, they were very nice. You know, we have brand new neighbors. They were very nice. Oh, we're just going to let it grow like a tree. It wasn't. It was one of those dumb things that sprung up, and if they don't deal with it, it's going to spring up their whole yard too. So we had them cut down, and then we had them drilled down. You know, we had somebody come out and drill out the trunk or whatever, and you know what? They're still springing up like bitterness. You can even have the condition of it. You can even go through with forgiveness. You can even, but you still got to watch out for bitterness springing up. It defiles, it defiles you. That word defile means to dirty. It soils you and it also soils everyone around you because it soils your decisions and your demeanor and your attitude. Bitterness, you know, it's like bad breath. Everyone knows you have it, but you. And you won't admit it when you've been caught. Listen, let the Lord do what he needs to do in your heart. The axe that cuts the root of bitterness out of your life and mine is forgiveness. I've done studies on that in much more in depth. You can go onto our website or our app and just put the word forgiveness. Or you can email me directly and ask for the forgiveness information, and I'll send it to you. I'll send you a link where you can download it and print it out. But forgiveness is needed. Forgiveness is that act on your part and mind to release someone from the debt that they owe us. You've got to release. If you choose not to forgive, then they have power over you, and so does that situation. So you choose to forgive. A lot of times people misunderstand forgiveness because when you forgive, it doesn't feel like anything's changed. There's still animosity and there's still, there's the relationship didn't get rebuilt and that's, and I'll tell you why. In order, forgiveness is a choice you must make unilaterally. Why? Because of how much God has forgiven you. Of all that he's forgiven you, who are we to withhold forgiveness for someone else? But the reason why the relationship hasn't been restored is because for reconciliation to take place, repentance has to happen. Without repentance, there's no relationship. See, your forgiveness is an act of your own repentance. But if there's no change on the other side, there's no relationship. God's already given us that picture. Without repentance, you have no relationship with God. You can't just say, oh, God's my buddy, man upstairs. No, have you repented of your sins? Have you acknowledged that you've sinned against a holy and a righteous God? Have you received the forgiveness of Jesus Christ by admitting that you have failed miserably 
Until you do that, and without repentance, there's no salvation. And don't think for a moment, if you respond to an invitation here and you don't repent of your sins, you, you don't turn away from your sinful past, don't think just because you responded in a church that you're automatically saved. You want to be careful that you want to be careful in your own life that you forgive and that you pray for reconciliation because as much as hurting people hurt people, healed people bring healing in the relationships. And you trust God because of the forgiven forgive. Number three. So number one was be careful you don't fall short of God's grace. Number two, be careful that there's no root of bitterness springing up. And then thirdly, be careful of fornication and profaneness. Now that's interesting, is it? What do you mean, Ed? What does that have to do with bitterness? What does that have to do with the grace of God? Well, we have an answer for that. We have the example of Esau. So he says, lest there be any fornicator or profane, this is verse 16, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. You see, this is not, the, the word fornication in its general sense biblically means to engage in sexual activity, any kind of sexual activity outside of marriage. But the context here has something to do with your relationship with Jesus Christ and you out going outside of that relationship for Jesus Christ in a way that damages your relationship. And he uses Esau. So this is not necessarily a sexual reference here in verse 16, but it's tied together with profaneness and the behavior of Esau who sold out his birthright for some food. He sold out his birthright for food. So here with fornication, what it's describing is idolatry. You've got Esau who was a profane man. He was hungry and, and, and he was willing to sell his birthright, his position, his treasured, valued position in the family, his position of leadership, the position that God bestowed upon him. None of that meant anything to him because he was more hungry physically than he was hungry spiritually. And that's what happens when you're tired. That's what happens when you don't help others and when you're not helped and when you are looking out for the grace of God in your life. And when you allow bitterness to swallow you, you become a spiritual fornicator and a profane person. That's what happens to us. You got to watch out when you're tired, church. Watch out when you're fatigued. Esau had no ethics. He had no faith, no reverence for God, no regard for good. He was worldly, secular, and profane. I mean, if we were watching uh, Esau's life, we'd probably go, man, what is he thinking? But from God's perspective, God says this, what he did was really evil. And it was evil because his appetites. You got to watch your appetites, church. Can I just say it in a practical sense? One of the sins the Bible mentions is gluttony. The church doesn't mention gluttony too much, but the Bible mentions it. Gluttony is overeating. It's eating too much. It's taking in too much. And I know in times of stress and difficulty, it's easy to lean on food as a source of comfort. Don't they even say that on the Food Channel, right? This is comfort food. And you've got to be careful when you're weary not to just yield to your appetites. The source of your comfort 
is God, not food. The source of your comfort is God, not alcohol. The source of your comfort is God, not a joint. The source of your comfort is God and not a relationship. The source of your, and you can see where anything can take the place of God. You've got to watch your appetites and what you're hungry for. The Bible says this, Jesus did, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what? Righteousness, because they'll be filled. And church, we're in a race that the world's not in. Our goal is to finish well. That's our goal. Not to exclude our faithful citizenship on earth. No way. We're to be citizens on earth, faithful citizens, but secondary because our primary citizenship is in heaven. And if you're worn out today and you're tired, God's word to you is you can make it, but watch out. Watch out for others along the way. Strengthen them, help them, pick them up, make the path straight for them. Watch out for others, but also watch out for yourself. Be careful that you don't walk away from the grace of God. Be careful that you don't let bitterness consume you. You know, bitterness, sometimes it sounds like you're just so mad at God. that It can so twist you. you. I'm mad at God, but God has been so gracious and so good to you. But pain will do that. And tiredness definitely will do that. You want to be careful not to become profane and a spiritual fornicator. I mean, that's a powerful thing to think through that our worship is of God and God alone. So watch out for it as you watch out for others. Pastor Ed Taylor is developing his study of Hebrews right now on Abounding Grace. To hear it again, visit our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com or you can hear Pastor Ed through our app. Simply search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play and download the free app today. We also have a podcast on Apple Podcasts. Well, Pastor Ed, in today's message, you spoke about the need for forgiveness and exhorted us to be careful there's no root for bitterness springing up. And you briefly mentioned some information that you have about forgiveness that we can share with our listeners by email. Could you give us an idea of what that is and what's the best email our listeners can use to contact you for it? You know, we came across a little packet, a little PDF file on the topic of forgiveness and reconciliation years and years ago. We had a brother here, Craig Castor, a pastor. He was visiting. Uh, We invited him out. He wasn't visiting. We invited him out to do a family seminar. And through our relationship with him and his ministry, we came across this PDF. And now we, we have them printed out on the side of our stage here at the church. And we give them out. We give, we give those packets out over and over and over again. And of course, I will email you the PDF if you email me. My email address is ed at edtaylor.org. It has to be O-R-G, edtaylor.org, ed at edtaylor.org. And I'll respond, ask for the forgiveness packet. I'll respond to you with a series of links on this topic, including this little pamphlet that you can print out or you can just read on your computer or your iPad and be encouraged because it's, it's not like earth shattering uh, it's not going to be, you know, you probably won't walk away going, wow, I never heard that before. But the way he packages it, the way he walks you through and helps you biblically address the issues of forgiveness is powerful and helpful and joyful. So email me, ed at edtaylor.org, and I'd love to send it to you. It'll bless you, and it'll free you, 
uh, it will f- bring you great freedom. I'm confident of that. Well, we hope you'll contact us today, and we'd love to send this your way. Maybe you've noticed the enemy is constantly trying to fill your mind with destructive thoughts. It could be fear, worry, insecurity, anxiety, or temptation. But you can win this battle of your mind, and author Louis Giglio explains how in his book, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. And we'll gladly send you a copy when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Just pick up the phone right now and call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Or you can order it through our e-store at calvaryco.store calvaryco.store. It's your generous gift that allows us to provide Bible teaching on stations like this one all across the country. It's not the size of your contribution that matters. Large or small, it's making a difference by God's abounding grace. You can donate to the ministry at aboundinggraceradio.com or again, call 877-30-GRACE. Join us each day on Abounding Grace as we go and grow through a study in Hebrews with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora. 